Well, it's all about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness and going inside EMS. I am Chris Sabalero with you once again, the Chris and Kelly Show as we go inside EMS. And it wouldn't be the Chris and Kelly Show without the wonderful, the dynamic, the masculine, Kelly Grayson. KG, how you doing this week? I'm good, brother. Uh, I would like to make a minor correction. It's it's the Kelly and Chris show, uh, not not the Chris and Kelly show. Uh, I keep telling you that, and you keep forgetting it, man. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to write that down for you. Uh, yeah. C comes before K, I before E, except after C. So yeah, or isn't sounding like A as a neighbor away, but still, <laughs> um, uh, I think uh, age before beauty. So uh, well, hell, that still puts you ahead. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm coming back from from Georgia, from the uh, Georgia EMS Association Providers and Educators Conference in Jekyll Island, and man, those guys did a uh, did a good job this year. I had a blast. There's a lot of those state EMS conferences that they really kind of do it right, and uh, you know, set the standards for others to follow. And uh, you've talked about the Georgia conference before, you know, certainly our friends up there in uh, Lake Placid, New York, puts on a great regional conference. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there are just some great conferences around the United States. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we should think about is if we're, you know, touching those states, uh, those state conferences from other states, we should consider, you know, go- jumping into some of those conferences, mm-hmm. you know, we go to, we, you know, we go to EMS World, uh, which was down in Orlando this year, it'll be in new orleans next year and you know and those national conferences we all travel to but you know if we're in georgia and and uh, we can uh, you know we're in florida or we're you know in the carolinas we can go into georgia pretty easy uh, we got to start to you know support some of those bigger conferences that allow some really great education um you know but uh, i don't think we take advantage of that as much but uh, we wait for the big conference once a year. But uh, those state conferences do great jobs, Kelly. And and you're yeah. kind of the, you should do the uh, be the Stanley Tucci or be the uh, Siskel and Ebert of uh, EMS state EMS conferences <laughs> since you seem to go to every single one of them. I uh, they're the they're all they're all good, you know. And and you learn things at these conferences just from observing people that you you normally wouldn't. Um, I always say that that. Uh, um, the the small state conferences give you a, a window into the the uh, providers in that state, and uh, we all make fun of the whackers that you know are are at a conference with their pager on and their uniform and and their Batman utility belt five hundred miles from home. Um, uh, and I don't know when pride in your agency and pride in your profession uh, became a thing of ridicule, but um, I have never been to a conference where the most engaged and active participants uh, were not uh, or either volunteers or or people who um, who don't run a lot of EMS calls. And, and usually the people you don't see at conferences uh, are, are the employees of the large municipal agencies in the host cities of these big major conferences. And, and there's something telling about that, uh, about how they view education outside their agencies. But that's neither here nor there. It was a it was a good time, and and man, Jekyll Island is a gorgeous venue for a uh, for a conference. Uh, the convention center right there on the beach. You look out the window and you see the uh, the waves crashing. It's kind of hard to to concentrate on what you're talking about. But man, it was it was gorgeous. 
great. Yeah, I was. I always find it hard to concentrate on what you're talking about. <laughs> you're funny. I don't need waves for that. Uh, it's just really just paying attention and Jesus. But, uh, you know, speaking of conferences, Kelly, last week, uh, uh, you know, we talked about that when uh, I was at EMS Expo, I was having a conversation with someone and, you know, a gentleman walked past and came back to me and said, hey, you're Chris Sabalera. I recognize your voice from the show, uh, which was really kind of uh, flattering. And then we asked, what kind of show can we do for you? And he really brought up resilience to talk about mm -hmm. um, that uh, EMS is very resilient. And I kind of liked the topic, and it took us a little bit to uh, get that topic worked out. But I think that's what we're going to talk about today. And yeah. we're going to talk about EMS. We're going to talk about organizational resilience. But one of the things as we go through these six steps that we're going to share with you, resilience can be individual as well. So even though as we talk about this from an EMS agency standpoint, I want you to think about the steps that we're going to talk about for individual resilience. And I think that that's uh, going to be a great lesson as well. And you may be saying, what the hell is resilience? What does resilience mean? And it really, if we break it down into something that's, uh, uh, you know, simple, or if we look at the top, you know, the definitions online, it's basically your ability to recover from setbacks, how well you adapt to change, how well you keep going in the face of adversity. And one of the things, Kelly, that we see a lot of when individuals are setting goals or, you know, trying to get, I want to lose 15 pounds, I need to quit smoking, I, you know, I want to go ahead and get my degree. And then all of a sudden they hit a speed bump or they come across a hurdle and uh, they wind up getting derailed from their goal and they wind up just throwing the goal to the wayside. One of the things that I want to be able to share with you as a leadership consultant, as a leadership coach, is when you set a goal, the growth doesn't happen when you reach the goal. The growth happens on the journey, on the way to reaching the goal. That's where growth happens. That's where education happens. That's where learning about yourself happens, right? When you get to the goal, that's the extra gravy, man. You're there, yeah. right? So now it's time for you to celebrate that win. It's very it's, how, it's, it's the journey, not the destination. Exactly, right? So when we think about this from the standpoint of adversity and an EMS from an organizational standpoint, from an individual standpoint, we have a lot of adversity. We hit, you know, we hit a lot of speed bumps and we hit a lot of challenges. And one of the things that we really have to think about is how we overcome those challenges. And really, that makes a great leader, too. I mean, so when you're leading an organization or you're in a position of responsibility, you need to be able to think about when things happen in your organization, how you keep yourself on path, right? So a successful mm -hmm. organization will be able to overcome those speed bumps and hurdles and those distractions and stay on path to reach the vision. So today, we're going to give you six tips on how to be resilient from an organizational standpoint, how to be resilient from an individual standpoint, all the same six steps. We just need to modify them a little bit for where we're going. But number one is you want to be able to take a proactive approach. Are you willing and prepared to adapt before being forced to do so? So what that means is when we go ahead and set a journey, 
you know, a lot of times we'll develop a, a plan, Kelly. So, okay, I'm going to go ahead and lose weight or I'm going to go ahead and get cast certified. And, you know, so what are we going to do first? What are we going to do second? What are we going to do third? And then something happens and it takes us off that number, you know, it takes us off that one, two, three. And now we don't know what to do because all of a sudden four can't happen. What you need to know is kind of what I was talking about before, Kelly, is we need to be able to understand that distractions and speed bumps and hurdles are going to happen. One of the things that I think makes us very, very resilient in EMS is our ability to critical think, our ability to problem solve, right? Mm -hmm. So as these things happen in our life, in our uh, journey to reaching our goal, know that when something happens, we just critically think, we problem solve, we climb over this hurdle, and we start the journey all over again. And and I'd be interested in your thought. I I agree fully that one of the things I talked about this weekend in Georgia was uh, um, teaching, mentoring, and, and stewardship, being a good steward of your profession, and the importance of preceptors um, passing on the the good traditions of EMS and, and eliminating the bad ones, uh, but more than anything else, mentoring and giving, as you've talked about in your servant leadership, uh, uh, you know, giving people the tools they need to succeed. And, and rather than character assassination and conflict with their instructors, you know, you don't need to learn that, know that stuff for the street, uh, to build build up their precepti and give them the tools to deal with adversity uh, and and uh, setbacks in a long career in EMS and to make them lifelong learners. And, and really, that's what, uh, from an individual standpoint, that's what being proactive is all about, is you look at everything as a learning opportunity. Uh, and all too often when, when individuals uh, uh, in a clinical setting uh, find a, a novel presentation or something that, that throws them off a little bit and they don't think they did the best job, uh, they get a little demoralized at that. Um, but the way to look at that is a teachable moment. That's where growth happens. And, and when you make those mistakes, you know, you strive your best to make sure that the mistakes don't negatively impact patient care. Uh, and if you're doing that, well, then, then you're doing a great job anyway. But, um, what do you learn? How are you a better paramedic after encountering those calls? And, uh, and we, we talked a lot about that as well. And we talked about it from an organizational standpoint as well. When we were, when, we, when I was uh, talking about degree requirements for paramedics and, uh, and how shortages um, uh, are, are staffing shortages are, are forcing change uh, among EMS agencies that didn't think they could change before. And, and you're seeing this as well, man, where, where uh, um, agencies are coming up with novel solutions uh, for problems and they didn't do it before because they didn't have to. And now they are. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, a really great way to put a bow on that. I think that that's the way to, uh, really kind of approach it. I remember in my book, Ultimate Leadership, 10 Rules for Success, those were the rules I had to develop to be a good leader, Kelly, because I was really horrible in the beginning. Rule number seven, experience comes from mistakes and mistakes come from lack of experience. We have to be able to grow from the challenges that we come up against. 
And uh, it's just the way that works. Number two, in building professional or organizational resilience, is we need to be able to have dynamic leadership. And we've talked about leadership before. And, you know, hey, Chris, my, my boss doesn't do these things that you say that bosses should do. What do I do? And I say the same thing. We need to be able to lead by example, and we need to be the leaders. Remember, the definition of leadership is influence. If we can influence people, we can lead people. But we really need to be able to have the people from the organization. If we truly want to have a resilient organization, we need to be able to have dynamic leadership. Do we have support from the organization? And when you set off to have an organizational goal of being resilient, when you set off to have a culture uh, in your organization of professionalism, and we have to remember that vision is where we're going, strategy is how we're going to get there, the goals that we're going to use to reach the vision, and culture is the behavior of the organization in the journey of reaching the vision. From an organizational standpoint, we've got to have that. And we've got to be able to have the leaders that are going to hold the rudder as the workforce puts the wind in the sail. Don Monday, who used to be the chief of Charleston, South Carolina EMS, he used to say that all the time. I hold the rudder and the workforce is the wind in the sail. As leaders, we've got to be able to inspire the workforce. We've got to be able to motivate the workforce. And this is one of the biggest challenges that we have inside of EMS is that some of the leaders that work in some of the organizations are not considering the workforce as the most important component of the success of the organization. True measurement of leadership success is how engaged, satisfied, and productive the workforce is. Nothing else makes the difference. If we can't engage the workforce, if we can't satisfy, if we can't make sure the workforce is satisfied and they're not productive. Um, So dynamic leadership is really important. And we've got to be able to ensure that we are giving our workforce what they need to be successful. Because if they're not successful, we're not successful as leaders and the organization won't be successful behind it. Well, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll quote another management guru back to you, Peter Grucker, who said that uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast and, and you can have a great strategy. Uh, but if unless the leadership is embodying the resilience that they want the employees to, to model, uh, it's not going to work. You have to sell it. And, and the best way to sell it is do, what you're asking your people to do. Um, and and you said it earlier that we have so many quote unquote leaders in EMS who are not really leaders, they're managers, uh, and, and they're not doing uh, what is necessary to give their people the tools to to excel. And, and they're not walking the walk. Uh, and um, that that is that's corrosive to morale. And, and, and the people don't believe in what you're trying to sell. Uh, but if you practice that, those those uh, qualities of, of um, resilience and adaptability from the top down, uh, then then good subordinates tend to, to emulate a really good leader, and and you get people on your team, and you get people behind you all working together for the same goal. Um, so yeah, really really dynamic leadership uh, is pretty obvious when you see it. Number three. We need to be responsive. We need to have good responsiveness to change. And this, Kelly, I got to tell you, a lot of times in organizations, change is a really dirty word. I mean, there <laughs> are people that are uncomfortable with change. And one of the things that we've got to know is, you know, that change is inevitable and we've got to be able to embrace it. And, you know, we know the answer to the question, right? Why do we do it that way, Kelly Grayson? And what's the normal answer? 
because we've always done it that way. That's the way we've always done it, right? But that's yeah. not that's not a reason to have a practice. We need to be able to understand that the process, the practice, the procedure that we do is based on uh, something that we've been able to quantify. It's effective. It's, it's efficient. It's cost effective. Uh, you know, whatever that is, it increases productivity. We need to be able to have those answers and understand why. I am not a leader who believes if it's not broke, don't fix it. I'm a leader who believes and challenge the process. I want to challenge our processes at least every two years and make the determination that the work we're doing is the best practice. If it's not the best practice, we need to be able to be dynamic. We need to be able to understand uh, where the industry is going, or even more importantly, EMS is a, a lot of times we're uh, reactionary that when things start to change, we react to the change, but we need to be able to be more anticipatory. Yeah. We need to be able to say, I see this trend. I think this is going to happen and we are moving in this direction. Hence the community paramedicine transition from mm -hmm. uh, EMS, right? So we've got to be able to have good responsiveness to change. Change isn't necessarily a dirty word uh, we get comfortable in our comfort zones but we've got to be able to have an organizational culture that we have to be uncomfortable with being uncomfortable you're you're absolutely right we we let the we let changes in our industry and 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 uh advances in clinical care and and that sort of thing get inside our OODA loop uh when we should just be uh proactive and and stay ahead of the game you know, Tiger Woods was the best golfer in the world and totally reworked his swing twice. He was already on top. He was he was light years ahead of any other competitor, yet he totally reworked his swing because he saw an opportunity for improvement. And and that's something we can that's a lesson we can learn from from uh, Tiger, uh, not some of the other lessons Tiger had to teach later on in his career. But but um, excellence. Uh, is a is a habit you know that was that's aristotle's uh excellence is a habit and and if you are already on top or if you're doing well uh there's no uh, uh complacency kills an organization you have to you have to stay ahead of the game and you have to keep working and finding reasons to improve yeah and i think you're right and if we go to number four uh, we kind of talked about it already you kind of mentioned it peter drucker has a great quote uh, strong corporate culture, strong uh, individual culture. Because remember, these six steps can be used individually. They can be used on an organizational standpoint. Uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time because we talked about culture. But one of the things that I will add to this before we go on to number five, Kelly, is that we need to be able to understand that everybody in the organization, by the way, the people that we invited into our organization to help us be successful, I want to say it again, we invite the workforce into our organization to help us be successful. People just don't show up and start getting a paycheck. They go through the process. We hire them. They come into the organization and, uh, you know, we need that workforce. We need the workforce more than the workforce needs us nowadays, mm -hmm. but we need to be able to ensure that we treat them with respect. Everybody's part of the team. Everybody's part of the community. As a leader, I did not stand for anybody talking about anyone else. The leaders certainly didn't have the right to make fun of an employee, to 
um, you know, treat an employee any differently uh, just because, uh, you know, they didn't have the same values or political affiliations or whatever it is. And we needed to be able to ensure that we were keeping uh, the culture strong and we keep the culture strong by respect. We uh, keep the culture strong by uh, valuing everyone. Um, I don't have to believe what they believe. I don't have to have their religious beliefs. I don't have to have their political affiliations. But that person that we invited into the organization has a heart. Uh, they're a person, and they need to be respected. If they're not going to fit into the culture, it's time that we end our professional relationship. Um, but everybody gets the same respect. Number five is keeping focus. Is there a clear vision, purpose, and identity? You know, Kelly, I just was at, uh, last week we talked, I was at UCLA, and I was teaching um, developing your personal vision statement. And when we think about where we're going as an organization, we have to be able to have a vision. As adults, we are wired to think in pictures. Mm -hmm. If I say to you, think about a car, you don't see the letter C-A-R, you actually picture a car. And in the absence of a vision, we don't know where the organization is going. We don't know where we're going on an individual basis. We have to be able to picture our journey so we know how we're going to get there. You went to Jekyll Island. You were driving home right now. You have a vision of where you're going. In the absence of a vision, you might as well just set up tent wherever you are because you've already reached your destination. And I think that this is a big, I believe, that the vision statement is the most important document inside an organization. And I'll ask leaders, how many of you have a vision statement? And they'll raise their hand in some conference I'm teaching. And then I'll say the next question, which chills them, who can come up here and recite it for me? Yeah. And here's the thing that's important. If the leaders of the organization do not know the vision of where the organization is going, you will have a complacent organization. You will have a mediocre organization because the workforce will not know the vision of the organization and they won't know their responsibilities into reaching that vision. Yep. And and the boots on the ground version of that is, is uh, when you're up to your ass and alligators, it's hard to remember that the original objective was to drain the swamp. Uh, uh, you have to keep the long-term goal in mind. Uh it, it's hard for your people to do that sometimes when when they're working worried, uh, harried and, and overworked and worried about their next call. Uh, but that's the mark of a good leader is reminding people what the overall goal is, where we're headed um, and and assisting with uh, keeping those daily stressors uh, off uh, uh, from overburdening us. And then finally, number six, Kelly, we got to number six. It's your long term view. In a, in a, you know, when we think about it from a personal standpoint, we all have goals that we want to try to attain. And I always try to encourage people to say, what's your one-year goal? What's your three-year goals? What's your five-year goals? And, um, you know, the same thing from an organizational standpoint. We have a vision. Well, what do we want to attain in the next three months, six months, 12 months, 36 months, 48 months, 60 months? And we work towards the vision every day. We've got to be able to understand how we plan. We've got to be able to understand how we develop the strategic goals to reach. We've got to be able to understand from an organizational standpoint, which gets us in a lot of trouble, Kelly, 
the financial implications of what we do as well, right? Yeah. And uh, this is the biggest challenge in EMS because we're almost we're on a fixed income, right? The only yeah. we know how much money's coming in. We just have to hope that we run the calls to bring that money in. Um, we can give ourselves a three percent increase every year to think we're going to have a three percent increase in call volume. Um, but we got to keep our we got to keep our finger on the pulse and know and have a fiduciary responsibility to the organization that we're going to be able to have, uh, you know, um, you know, financial security. Yeah. And, and that's in many ways, I am extremely grateful working for the agency that I do because they, they, they always have that strategic vision uh, in mind and, and working uh, ahead uh, what their long-term goal is. Um, they they are very proactive about where they see EMS going and and shaping their their business model uh, to to adapt to that. And one of these being you know the community paramedicine treatment in place and and that sort of thing and how heavily they're investing in in that model um, and uh, makes me makes me kind of hopeful for the uh, for the next generation of EMTs who are probably going to work in a better environment than than you or I came up in. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Um, what are some of the keys to organizational and individual resilience? Things that we didn't cover that, that are essential in making you Semper Gumby always flexible. We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Sevalero, who is as flexible as a noodle, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you next week.